Welcome to Subculture. This is a podcast about the many unique, varied, and sometimes little-known groups that people find themselves relating to in our society. In today's world, everything runs on culture. Who you are, what you believe in, what you think about yourself, and the way we relate to the world is all defined by the choices we make and the people we choose to spend time with. How do we decide where we belong? Have you ever thought about changing who you are? Have you ever thought about joining a club, a group, a gang, or a clique? What makes us who we are? What makes us decide where to fit in? That's what this podcast will explore. Every week, I will interview an individual from a different subculture and try to get at the thing that makes them tick. This week, we will discuss the world of competitive Irish dancing and the culture that surrounds that. My guest today is my wife and my best friend, Emma Harper. Emma, welcome to the show. Thank you. Tell us uh, your name, your age, where you're from, and where do you live now? Uh, My name is Emma Harper. I will be 29 in a few weeks. I'm from Columbus, Ohio, but I currently live in Charleston, South Carolina. And we're talking about the world of Irish dance today. Tell me about that and how you got into it. I got into Irish dancing because my mom had VHS tapes of Riverdance and Michael Flatley's Lord of the Dance. And she would play that in my living room and my dad would put out a piece of plywood and I put on my sister's tap shoes and I mimic it. So she put me into dance class as soon as she could. So you started Irish dancing when you were a little girl? I was seven. And, and when you got into Irish dance, you you got into like serious competitive Irish dance and had some titles and things like that. Can you tell me uh, about that? Yeah, I started competing pretty much right away and you have to kind of work your way up the ranks. But once you get to a certain level, you can start competing regionally, nationally and internationally. And I qualified to compete at Worlds, which is the biggest, highest competition you can get to. What was it like uh, before Irish dance? Like, what were you like as a kid? And and then, like, tell me about your life before Irish dance. Um, I was kind of a weird kid. I was definitely an introvert, and I was always doing, like, weird creative things or, like, mimicking things I saw. So that's definitely how the Irish dancing started. I was just, like, mimicking something I saw that I liked. Um, But it definitely, like, defined my personality as a child. I did it for 10 years, 7 through, I guess, 11 years, 7 through 18. And uh, it was my whole life. It's a pretty athletic um, thing to to be an Irish dancer, right? I mean, you have to be like, you have to have, there's a lot of athletics involved in that. Yeah, it's a really athletic form of dance. There's two aspects to it. There's a soft shoe and a hard shoe. The soft shoe is kind of more like a ballet, but you're leaping through the air the whole time. And then the hard shoe is like a very athletic tap dance. So you have to be very cardio fit and uh, you need a lot of leg strength to do it. Is there other people in your family that are involved in athletics or is there, you know, do you guys, I mean, where where did the athletic side come from in your family? My mom was in drill team in high school, which was like kind of like cheerleading. Um, And my dad did some football, but I don't think there was really an extreme like athleticism in our family. I think we were all a little more like artsy almost. Maybe that's where the dance came in. I don't know. 
Well, you know, the title of this podcast obviously is subcultures and we're talking about like different subcultures. And uh, can you tell me your thoughts on why Irish dance would qualify as its own like little subculture world? Because people don't even know the world that it is. I mean, people who are in it competitively, we lived, ate, breathed it. It's day in and day out. You wake up, you go to practice after school, you go to practice every week and you go to competitions. Your friends are your dance friends. It's a very intense, all-inclusive, all-encumbering world. Who who typically gets into this? Is it mostly like Irish girls that are, you know, I, I know we're talking, we, all of you live in the United States and you said you're from Ohio, obviously, but I mean, are these like mostly girls from Irish backgrounds or other backgrounds? I think it's like largely dominated by kids from Irish families. It's boys and girls. Um, I think people from like Irish heritage largely dominate it, but I think it's also like geographically in the States, like the Midwest has a lot more of it going on than like the Southeast does, if that makes sense. And so once you started, uh, once you started into like taking classes, how long did it take before you started having to like go to the competitions? I was trying to remember this earlier and there is, you can't, like immediately start competing and I can't remember if it's like six months or a year but you have to take some time to like learn the dances you need to know before you can compete and represent your school but pretty quick as soon as I was able to compete I was competing I'm trying to like get people to visualize what all this is like you know through a podcast so we're just talking you know and there's no like visuals here so can you describe to me like or describe to the audience like what it's like to Irish dance like walk me through how, you know, what it looks like and what a routine looks like. I mean, like, I guess the best way to explain it, like the very first thing you learn is how to stand and you stand like almost like a ballet dancer, like your feet are very turned out, your toes and heels. You can see the entire inside of your foot, your thighs are crossed. They say you can only see one knee at a time and you have to hold that position and you're up on your toes and you have to hold that position the whole time. First you learn soft shoe dances, which like I said, are kind of more like ballet they're very graceful and flowy and you're doing a lot of like leaping through the air and hopping and skipping. But as you progress and kind of master that and you get into like a higher level, they throw heavy shoes or hard shoes at you, which is like tap dancing. And that's just a whole another aspect. It's very percussive. It's very much about rhythm and matching the rhythm of the music. Um, and it's extremely athletic because you're pounding into the ground and hopping and gliding across the floor all at the same time. What are the coaches like? Is it? I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you had a coach. Did you have like uh, one coach or multiple coaches? How does that work? I competed under three different schools. So I had several different coaches. I would say like the underlining tone of all of them, they're all very eccentric. I think to be an Irish dance teacher, you have to be a little crazy because it's a crazy world. You're dealing with kids parents all the time who want the best for their specific kids so they're coming at you with specific requests all the time you have to manage that you have to be able to deal with crying kids you have to be able to handle injured kids um the teachers are resilient they're tough i had one straight out of ireland she's i mean she scared the crap out of me but i also loved her i had two out of ireland actually one of my dance teachers was one of the women credited with really bringing like mainstream competitive irish dance to america and she was four feet tall and the scariest woman I've ever met in my whole life. So do these coaches, do they come from like a dance background themselves? Yeah. If you're an Irish dance teacher, you were in it growing up. I actually had one Irish dance teacher tell me to get out when I could and not let it become my whole life. Because if you continue on to a certain point, you're going to end up being a teacher and it's going to be your whole life forever. 
How did uh, getting involved in this world change your life? I mean, it com- it molded who I was. It was it defined who all my friends were growing up. Um, it taught me everything I know about people. Like I was around all sorts of different people at a very young age every week, and um, you just learn a lot being in like a intense situation. We're all competing for ourselves. It's all solo competition, um, and you learn a lot about how to be mentally tough. So you're going to a school, there's multiple girls going, or guys and girls, you said, going to one school. Like how many people were would be in like one class that you were in? Classes were designated by um, your level that you competed at. So there'd usually be like 20 to up to 40 in a class, depending on the dance studio size, um, what school I was at, and like the level I was at lower level they can kind of teach a bigger group at a time so if you got 40 people in a class is everybody competing against each other it's you compete against your age group so i was competing against and your gender so i was competing against girls who were my age so every year we aged up i was still with the same girls um and some of those girls were actually some of my best friends so that was kind of a hard thing to manage all the time your closest dance friends in class were also your competition on the weekends and judging from the fact that you you said you got into the world's level Irish dancing, I guess you were pretty good at it. I had some really good natural talent. I didn't have the best work ethic all the time, but I did have, yeah, I, I had enough and I worked hard enough that I did manage to qualify for worlds and compete at the world championships. How does that work? I mean, like, just c- keep in mind now you're talking to people that know nothing about the world of Irish dance. My own personal knowledge, even knowing you as well as I do, is still pretty limited. So, you know, you're going to have to like get a little granular and like explain it for me. Like, how does this all work? I can. It is like, it's a little complicated. So like I said, you start out and you have to learn all the dances you're going to be competing with. There are three soft shoe dances, a light jig, a slip jig, and a reel. And you start out with those as a beginner. Only girls do a slip jig. Um, And then you have to kind of place out of those. Once you place out of those in competition, you move up to advanced beginner and you get your heavy shoes and you learn the heavy jig or treble jig and the hornpipe and you start competing with those and you have to get a first, second or third in all of those dances out of competition to advance into the novice level. And then you have to, again, place first, second or third in all of those dances and then you advance into um, what's called preliminary championship. And what's the time frame for just just walk me through what the time frame years. is for, for years it takes years to get up from beginner to preliminary championship i think it took me four years from beginner to climb to preliminary championship and so when you say four years of uh not uh, even the highest level i understand <laughs> i got you so when you say four years walk me through like what that looks like in a day-to-day life it's a year-round sport there are what's called feshena or just fesh, like pretty much every weekend and they're held by dance schools. So they're always like local. So I'm from Ohio. There was a Cleveland fesh and a Columbus fesh and a Cincinnati fesh, or we'd go into Kentucky and go to the Louisville fesh. So they were all over pretty much every weekend. And if you were into it, basically as much as you could, you signed up for those local competitions and you went and competed. So you could get your firsts and your seconds and your thirds to place up in the competition so that you could continue competing and placing up. The goal is to get to what's called open championship level. When you're at that level, you get to compete regionally, nationally, and in those competitions, you can qualify to compete internationally. So tell me about your family. So you came from a big family, small family? I have three siblings and my parents. So I think that's pretty mid-sized for the Midwest, actually. Is anybody else in your family Irish dancing or is it just you? Just me. 
Okay, so that sounds like a lot of work. It was a lot of work, and it was a lot of work on my parents, I'm sure, and probably on my siblings, too. Yeah. It was a yeah, I mean, I guess somebody's got to take you as because you're a kid, right? You're like you're not doing this yourself. Yeah, my mom drove me to dance class my entire childhood. If she couldn't, my dad could. Sometimes I remember my older brother would because he was six or seven years older than me. But at some points, my dance school was an hour away, so my mom would pick me up from school and then drive me an hour to dance class, wait three hours, and then drive me home at the end of the night. That takes a lot of dedication, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So they must have had some sense that you're really serious about this to like put their own time. Yeah, they I I was definitely serious about it and they knew. And they they were equally as serious about it. They wanted it for me. I don't know that much about Irish dancing. Like, you know, my only vision of it is like through the River Dance, like right what you watch on TV, you know, or the Broadway show River Dance. And by the way, I feel like I need to say this. When someone says they're an Irish dancer and you say, Oh, like River Dance, no. <laughs> River dance is like Irish dance, but Irish dance is not like river dance. Can you explain what you're talking about? Like river dance is a choreographed show to kind of like do a little expose on like, here's what Irish dance looks like. But competitive Irish dance is very different than what they're doing in river dance. In, in, in what way? The athleticism gets pushed every year. New moves get invented. It's one person competing for themselves at the time. So it's not like a big group of people there is you can compete in groups but the main aspect of competitive irish dance is solo competition and it is just one person dancing for their life across the stage doing the hardest moves their little body can do tell us about that so like you're talking about hard moves in irish dance what what is what does that look like um so it's different in soft shoe and hard shoe and soft shoe it's like um complicated to do jumps essentially or spins where you're throwing your body up in the air. Some girls can leap up in the air and spin their body around three times, just gliding across the stage or kick their legs four times out in front of them and under them and back out in front of them. Like, I mean, just get on YouTube and Google Irish dance leaps. The things these girls can do with their legs are crazy. And then in hard shoe, it's all about rhythm. And some of the rhythms people can tap out with their feet at the speeds they can. It's, it doesn't seem like it should be humanly possible sometimes. It's very hard to do. I, I do. I do believe you. <laughs> what uh, What were you best at when 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 you were a dancer? Was it the hard shoe or the soft shoe? I was best at one particular soft shoe dance, which was only for the girls, called the slip jig. And it's kind of like a slower, very graceful, flowy dance. I'm tall. I have long legs. I don't have the best body for Irish dance, but that was a dance I consistently got good scores, kind of dominated in. What would surprise people the most to know about the world of Irish dance? I think, again, just how like big and structured and organized and vast it really is. Like To compete up to the level it takes to get to to be a champion is insane. Um, the level of organization of the competitions. There's a whole um, like course and exam you have to go through to be a teacher and another one to be a judge. And there's, I mean, it's just people make their whole lives off of this whole world. Yeah. I mean, and I understand that. And that's, guess that's, you know, that's part of the reason why I felt like, you know, this podcast was important. You know, I think about my own world of things that I know about and I grew up in the South and, you know, I mean, I spent my whole life and I never really even heard of Irish dance other than river dance, which kind of got popular. And, you know, at some point when I was 90s, like, yeah. yeah, when I was, yeah, when I was like in my 20, early twenties mm -hmm. or something. That's what brought competitive Irish dance really to the mainstream of America, though. It really exploded after that. 
So it's kind of wild to think like that, you know, outside of my knowledge, like there's just like this whole world, like this big, huge structured world where there's men, got boys, girls, you know, parents, you know, who are going People from in America will move. Parents will move their whole families to Ireland so that their kids can go to the best dance schools. Like that is not uncommon in the Irish dance world. It's all in if you're in it. Is that is it is it better to be an Irish dancer in Ireland or is it oh, a better yeah. better to be? Oh Irish yeah, dancer? they still do. It's their sport. They still dominate. They set the trends. They they're winning. So tell me this: so you went to Worlds? That's a big deal. Yes, I did. I went to Worlds the first time. It was in the U.S. actually, which was cool. Yeah. So walk me through how one starts uh, as a you know kid Irish dancer to going to Worlds. Uh, well, like I mentioned previously, you have to work your way up to like the open championship level in local competitions. Um, and at that point, you're only competing with two steps instead of five. So you just have one hard shoe step and one light shoe step, although they change every year. Um, and basically, I took those steps to our regional competition and it was in Columbus, Ohio that year. And the top 20% of competitors at the regional competition are considered a world qualifier. And that year I happened to place 15th, which was in the 20th percentile and qualified for Worlds. And from that point on, my mind was just, you are in training from Worlds. So I had to change what steps I was doing, learn new steps. And for the next, I think I had six months, you're just in full Worlds mode. So that's like a very consuming thing for your life? Yeah, you eat special diets, you really cut down on sugar, you're eating like an athlete's diet, lots of protein lots of carbs because what we're doing was essentially sprinting um yeah i would do like meditation where i visualize myself on the world stage competing like we had dietitians come to class we had makeup tutorials like it's every aspect of it is i'm glad you mentioned the makeup aspect of it i've seen some photos of uh you know all of these irish dancers in competition there's there's quite a get up that goes along with this mm -hmm. right? the wigs are you talking about the wigs? The, the wigs, and it seems like, I don't know, there's like a whole outfit. 25% your, of your score from judges is based on appearance, which, excuse my language, seems like bullshit because of how much work you put in on your physical steps. The fact that 25 of it can be taken away based on someone's opinion that you don't have the right look. Because keep in mind, this is all judged by people. It's all objective. Every judge might have a different judge on what's the right look but you had to keep up with the time. So you had to do the big bright makeup. You had to have the big bright dress that cost two grand. That would, the style would change in a year. So then you'd have to buy another dress that cost two grand. You'd have the big eight pound wig that had- Wait, an eight pound wig. Oh yeah, these wigs are huge and they're eight pounds and they have a big comb on top and a big comb on the bottom and you wedge them into your head for 12 hours a day. Cause you compete at like 7 a.m. and then the results the award ceremony, which you have to be fully dressed for, isn't until about 8 p.m. How do you condition yourself just to get used to wearing an eight-pound wig on your head? I can't say we did any, like, specific conditioning, but you do throughout the year also have, like, performance opportunities for your school that can be, like, fundraising to get you to Worlds or, like, just, like, St. Patrick's Day or et cetera. So you do, like, put on the wig periodically throughout the year and you just kind of get used to it. But it is – you do have to get used to dancing with that big wig on your head. It feels different. Okay, so let me ask you a question. If you're an Irish dancer in uh, the Midwest, does being an Irish dancer get you an end to all the good Irish events that happen in your community? 
for St. Patrick's Day? I mean, absolutely. We had to like, we were there to dance, but I can't say there was any, I was 16. I wasn't like raging at any St. Patrick's Day parties. I was in like weird bars at like 15 Irish dancing for drunk people on St. Patrick's Day. That was always a weird experience. I had guys like ask me outside for cigarettes and I'd be like, um, I'm 15. I can't, I can't do that. What did it do for your social life? I had no social life at school. My social life was Irish dance. I was like, yeah, I probably looked like a loser to all the kids I went to school with because I was never at sporting events or anything, any extracurriculars. I was not there. I was present in school. Barely. I was thinking about Irish dance and then I was gone. Uh, when you trained or when you went to class, is that before or after school? When, what time? When was that? Classes were always after school and weekends, but my parents built me, God bless them, a stage in our basement and I would wake up before school and because all the girls were like, you practiced as much as you could. So I would wake up in the morning before school and go down to my little stage and like drill out a few things in the morning. And then after school, immediately after, because it was an hour away, my mom would pick me up and drive me out to class. As all good subcultures have uh, an underside or a seedy side or a drama side, what what's the drama side of uh, Irish dance? I think the drama side is the fact that it's largely dominated by women, girls and their mothers. And I think there is a little cattiness. There's a little head games that comes into it. Um, there was something in the news recently that they're being investigated for results fixing because oftentimes a judge is also a teacher. You can be a judge and a teacher. So there was, um, some talk about judges buying off other judges, et cetera. Um, so I'd say that's like the seedy underside, but I do think overall, most people in it are truly just like in love with the sport and want to compete. There's no money. It's just about like, I want to be the best at this. There's no uh, financial benefit to being an Irish dancer at, at all. No. You get like some nice Irish crystal as a prize, <laughs> but there's no money. I don't know what Irish crystal is. Okay. What is that? Well, if you're an Irish dancer, you know about Waterford Irish crystal. <laughs> it's nice. <laughs> What's the stigma of being an Irish dance? I think people think we're a little like dance moms crazy. And it's true. If you've ever seen the show dance moms, Every parent is very invested in their child and every child is very invested in their own career. And I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing. I think it can be hard to deal with when you're in it. Is there drama between like uh, families? Yeah. And like between girls, like I said, like you're competing against girls your age. And sometimes there's girls at your school who are your age. So you're friends in class and then you go out on the weekend and you compete. And someone beats everybody else inevitably every time and you'll have to go back to class on Monday. And there's sometimes some hurt feelings that we had to deal with and awkwardness. And yeah, it was hard. I changed schools at one point and it really affected my relationship with the friends I had had at the previous school. You ended up at Worlds. Did any of your friends end up there as well? I had one girl, a level or an age group below me the same year I qualified also qualify for my school, which was actually pretty cool. We got to go together. So you weren't even really competing with her then? No, we didn't compete against each other, which was nice. So we were able to like train together and actually be like cool about it and not be like, oh, I hope you're not getting better. What happens when you go get to Worlds and like the rest of your class doesn't? Like I said, it's a little awkward at class because then all of a sudden I'm getting a little bit extra attention because I've got this big competition coming up. So the teacher's asking me to come up an extra time and do the steps an extra time and the other girls aren't getting that attention and 
I can't apologize for that, but it is also like, it was awkward. It was hard. How, do you, how does the scoring work? The scoring is complicated. So like I said, it's judges who have objective opinions. There's four categories and I'm going to mess them up. One's appearance, one's technique, one's originality of steps, I think. Uh, I don't know, but there's four categories, essentially 25% and they score them all at a 25%. But then those results, those raw scores get sent to a tabulation room where they get converted into Irish points, which are also out of a hundred. And I can't explain exactly how that conversion works, but because there's multiple judges, they get compressed down and converted into Irish points. And it's based off of how many Irish points you have. But basically first place is a hundred Irish points and second place is only 75 and third place is only 50. And then it drops down dramatically after that. So Who keeps not, track of all of that? There's a whole tabulations room of volunteers. And again, the volunteers are often affiliated with the school. So it's hard to regulate when things get messed with. And it's also, if you're not, if a judge doesn't rank you for second or third, very often your results all just kind of get washed in to the Irish points and below like the top 15 everyone's just kind of neck and neck score wise did you have to go to ireland i got to go to ireland three times to compete in irish nationals that was really exciting that's another thing you have to qualify for so you have to be like i said at the open championship level so i remember i qualified for that in buffalo new york and calling my dad and basically being like get ready to fork up some cash because we're going to ireland um <laughs> and we brought the whole family the first time I ended up fracturing my hip in the practice room two days before my competition. I still competed. You had a hip fracture. We didn't know it at the time, but I, I felt something really bad happen and I couldn't really walk right. Um, but we taped some ice to my hip and we'd come all that way. So I still competed that day. I didn't do very well. And then we got home and I got an x-ray and I had fractured my hip. Is there a lot of sports injuries in Irish dance? There were a ton of like overuse injuries when I was there. We didn't do any cross training back then. And I think from what I've seen now, they do a lot more like weightlifting and cross training, resistance training. Um, so hopefully there's less now, but there was a ton when I was there. Somebody was always out. My first guest on the show was a, a gym trainer and you, you and you and my uh, first guest have something in common, right? I worked for him at one point. And you're well, also, we're both personal trainers. <laughs> I didn't know where you were going with that. Yeah. I am a personal trainer now. Yeah. Yeah. So now, now you do personal, now you're a personal trainer as your career. Yes. Do you feel like that's influenced by your, um, for sure. Uh, I've learned so much about like how you need to strengthen every part, like everything's connected. And if like one part's overworked, everything else is weakening. Um, it, it definitely influenced me becoming a personal trainer and being into fitness. If you were talking to somebody who was young right now and they were thinking about getting into the Irish dance world, what would you tell them? I would say do it, but make sure you have a good support system and a good sense of self because Irish dance is a lot. You're going to get a lot of criticism. Every dance class, you're going to get a lot of criticism. Every time you go out to compete, the judges give you, you get comments back from the judges basically saying everything you did wrong. Like you have to be mentally ready to want it enough to keep going when it's hard i it was hard a lot but i really really wanted to be i mean i i went out to be a world champion i never made it that far but i really wanted it yeah i mean i think that's uh, i mean that says a lot about somebody's um you know motivation their character their fortitude 
Right. And you could, I remember watching as we got older, kids drop out because it just gets harder and harder as you keep going. And like the core six of us being left and being like, we're the only ones who like actually want to sacrifice and want this. We didn't get to go out on the weekends in high school. Like we went to dance competitions or classes that were five hours long. Like we didn't have the normal high school experience, but that was okay with us. Yeah. I didn't ever have anything like personally like that in my life where I was like so dedicated to a cause in my life from a child where I, you know, went on, but I, but I also, um, you know, my, experience in life. I have, you know, a child that was in gymnastics. Right. And so I watched her go through like that first part of gymnastics and how hard it was. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they work their way up until they get to a certain point, but it's pretty competitive, but you also see so many people, including my own daughter, eventually just kind of drop it, you know? Yeah. Because what's the thing that keeps you going all through high school and, uh, I think part of it for me were my best friends were in it. And I just loved it. Like the feeling of dancing was so much fun. I still miss it. I should just break out into it a little bit more. I do sometimes. You've seen it. But it it's just genuinely so fun. And like the dresses were fun. And I got to travel for it. And I got to spend a lot of time with my mom and get to know her really well and get to know myself really well. And I was good at it. So it was worth it for me. I, I'm not good at any sports. So it wasn't like, oh, man, I wish I could join the volleyball team. But, and then all my friends were there. So I didn't ever feel like I was missing out really. Do you have any regrets? I don't. I quit my senior year. I went to Ireland one last time my senior year. And I kind of knew when I went, when I got back, I was done. And I worried a lot that I would regret that. But I really don't because I feel like I stopped when one, my body was ready to stop. And two, like mentally, I really was just kind of like, I can't keep just living just for this one thing. Like I need to like expand my horizons a little bit and like see what else interests me because this is all consuming and it's hard and it's tiring. So when you're, when you're so heavily ingrained into a a culture like the Irish dance world, you're talking about how hard is it to leave that? It's really hard because Like I said, it's your whole life. So when you leave, like you worry, like I'm going to lose friends. I'm going to lose all these people. I'm going to lose this part of me, like this defining part of me. I genuinely remember thinking like, what am I without Irish dance? What do I have? Because that was all I had done. My grades were crap in high school because I did not care. All I cared about was Irish dance. I wanted to get done with school and homework as soon as possible so I could go work on Irish dance. Um, I forget your question now. (laughs) We're just talking about how how hard it is to leave, um, you know, to leave. That, yeah, it's that really like lifestyle behind. It's like giving up a part of you. But I was also a senior. I wanted to go to college away from my hometown, which would mean not dancing at my home school Irish dance school anymore, unless I was willing to drive back like at least every weekend. It just felt like the right time for me. So in that way, it was easy. <clears throat> What do you think, uh, you know, what do you think you'd want people to know about the world of Irish dance that have no knowledge about it? Like if you're talking to just people who've never really experienced it, they don't know anything about it. What what would you want them to know? It's a sport, man. (laughs) People train year round all year, compete year round all year. Like, and it's an athletic style of dance. There are constant injuries, overuse injuries, broken stuff, falls. People break their wrist falling out of moves. Like, 
It is an athletic. Do you think it's under? Do you think it's underappreciated as a sport? Very much. I think it's underknown, which is a cause of why it's underappreciated. But I think if more people got into it, they would be like, "This is incredible! What people are doing with their bodies? It's insane." Would you consider like ballet a sport as well? Like other, yeah, like competitive dancing. Yes, I think all competitive, not even just competitive dancing. I think anything where you're like manipulating your body in that way, if you don't think it's a sport, you should just go try it because it's a sport. Maybe if uh, universities looked at it as a sport, like more money would go into it. Right. Or it could, I mean, Irish dancing is so little known because there's no, have you ever heard of school? Like there isn't, there's some clubs and some colleges and stuff, but like it hasn't been adapted in a mainstream way really yet. There's like some small organizations that put on these competitions and they've gotten a lot bigger, but it's still not very widely known. So it truly is like a real like subculture still. I would say so. I mean, there's when you go to the dance competitions, it's like stepping into a whole new world. There are vendors selling things just for Irish dancers, wigs, sock glue we glue our socks to our legs to keep them up the shoes the like gems for your talk about some other i mean yeah like that's pretty interesting like weird little stuff about irish dance can you talk about more weirdness like costumes and all that i mean yeah like so there's poodle socks which are these white bumpy socks and they have to stay at a certain height on your leg while you're dancing so vendors sell this stuff called sock glue which is like a roll-on glue you put on your leg glue your sock up on your leg. You have to rip it off after we have soft shoes and hard shoes. You buy the shoes cause they're all leather. You buy them like two sizes too small and you break them in like a baseball glove. Like you sleep in them and stuff like that. They're extremely painful to dance in until you've gotten them broken in. So you have to suffer through like the blisters and stuff of breaking in a new pair of shoes. The trends on the shoes will change. So they're all black, but sometimes people will put some white tape on them to change the way they look. That's a new trend. Um, I mean, just like the, every aspect of it is a thing. The wigs you wear, we used to wear these big, heavy ones. Then they switched to these tiny little bun wigs you put on top of your head. So then everyone had to go out and buy that type of wig. Like it's a whole industry. People are making so much money off of this. Like I said, the dresses, there's only like, where do you certain- go to buy like Irish dancing gear? I've never seen that. You can get some of it online. Like I'm saying, a lot of it, you have to go to the competitions and see the vendors to buy. And then like the dressmakers, you have to go, there's only like probably five like considered good Irish dancing dressmakers. You have to like schedule an appointment with them, get a consultation, describe your vision. They'll come back with their vision. It's like a whole process. You design this dress together and then you cough up $2,000 and ship this dress from Ireland that you're going to wear seven times for one year. And then the style changes. They come from Ireland. Most of the time. There's a couple American dressmakers, but when you're at like the top level the judges can tell who made your dress and they want to see you in like the higher level dress appearances, half of it, quarter of it. How can the judge tell who made the dress? They have like, it's like a designer today. They have like kind of a distinctive style. You can look at a dress and be like, Oh, that's a Gavin Doherty or that's an elevation. Like they kind of, if you saw it, you'd know, like you can just tell. It's like a Louis Vuitton. Yeah. Irish like you dress. can tell who made that dress by like a little bit of the style differentiation between the dressmakers. Interesting. And like the top dress, like the top dancers wear the top dressmaker. And then it gets a little bit harder to get a dress from that dressmaker, depending on how good you are. So if you're not that good, is it hard to get a dress? It's not hard, but it's harder to get 
a top tier dress from a top designer. Like I never got one from the quote unquote top dress designer of the day. I went like one step down because it was a little bit easier to get in with them, took a little less time, a little bit more reasonably priced. Anything else besides gluing your socks to your legs and buying dresses from well, the top? So to save money, you could buy the dresses without rhinestones on them. And then my mom would buy rhinestones and we would sit on our hands and knees in the living room with rhinestones and wax on the tips of Q-tips and hand place these rhinestones on the dress to save a couple hundred dollars. You, you got into like making some of your own costumes and stuff editing them we glue rhinestones on them we buy the dress embroidered sewn together and then we buy our own rhinestones and place them i know you're a fitness trainer but what's your major in uh, college i went to fashion school (laughs) yeah you feel like that was an influence the first thing i would draw in terms of like clothing design was irish dance dresses so for sure i loved the dresses honestly looking back the dresses may have been like 90 percent of what motivated me in the beginning years because you had to earn one of those dresses too the first few years you had to compete in like school clothes, but as you got to like a championship level, you got your quote unquote solo costume. So I really wanted one of those. I worked pretty hard to get one. You you would say like the dress was the big motivator. In Probably. That. Yeah. They were so cool. You got to pick your colors and your design. They were all unique. <laughs> I wanted one. What was the first thing that made you think you wanted to be an Irish dancer? Like I said, watching that river dance and just like the rhythms they could tap out with their feet. I thought that was so cool, like matching the music in that way. And it's the music like gets your heart rate going. You can't not listen to Irish music and like not feel like getting up and dancing. That's true. What's the music aspect of 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 this? How do they I mean, how do they what are you what are you dancing to? Where's this music coming from? At competitions, they would bring in musicians and there would be like 10 to 15 stages per competition and at every stage there would be an accordion player or sometimes I remember like a fiddle player, maybe a keyboardist. I don't really exactly remember that, but there would be a musician per stage playing live music each time you competed, which was really cool looking back. It also sometimes was if you got a musician who wasn't the best and they messed up, that was like a whole other aspect of the live competition. You had to be like ready to deal with. If they miss a beat, you got to be able to get back on that beat and keep going. So when you're doing uh, competitive Irish dance, it's all to like traditional style Irish music? Yeah. So each type of dance is to its own type of music, which has its own time signature. So like a hornpipe rhythm is different than a treble jig rhythm. And and, I, and I'm guessing by the, the, the difference in hornpipe versus triple jig is like the speed of the dance or like what to explain that? Yeah, it's like, like the this time. Is a little, this is a little confusing to me. It is the speed. It's like beats per minute, I guess, kind of, or the rhythm. I'm not a musician, so I can't exactly explain to you, but like a reel is eight eighths time or whatever. It's like the even beat. And then there's different time signatures for each dance. So like, yes, a treble jig would be faster than a hornpipe or a reel would be faster than a slip jig. They each kind of have their own speed and style, each dance, and you have to be able to master all of them. As we're getting further along, I just, I want to try to like, get back to like, uh, tell me, I'm going to get back into like, what's the, dr- some of the dramas of, uh, Irish dance life. I mean, again, have you ever seen dance moms? <laughs> Can you talk about anything specific or is, do I, have I to- just remember like a lot of bickering between parents and like parents going to the teacher and being like, well, I know that jenna got a private lesson last week and my daughter hasn't been offered a private lesson and i just don't understand why it was just a lot of that kind of catty 
BS or like we'd be standing in line to compete and the girl next to you would be like, I heard the stage is really slippery. Did you put duct tape on the bottom of your shoes? Cause like that was a thing we did to combat slipperiness. You put duct tape on the bottom of your hard shoes. It gives you a little grip. Um, and they would try and freak you out if you hadn't done that. Been like, Oh, this stage is extra slippery. If you don't have duct tape, you're probably going to fall. I'd be really worried about that. There was just like, it's like head game. Yeah. There was a lot of like head games and then like fighting for getting the best for yourself out of your dance. Now, did you do any head games yourself? I didn't, I mean, you know me, I'm super anxious. So I was mostly so in my own head already. I wasn't trying to mess with anybody else's, but I witnessed it and had it done to me. Yeah. What was it like when you got uh, accepted to world? Oh my God. That was like truly one of the best moments of my life. You're like standing next to the stage and like a sea of all the girls you compete with, like holding hands with your friends. And they're like, we're going to call the top. They call the top 15 first and then they place everybody else. So they start calling top 15 and they called my name and I just remember like screaming and then sprinting up to that stage. And what was cool was it just so happened to work out that my teacher got to hand me my awards. So she was crying and I got to like hi hug her and then you stand up on the stage and like you get to look out on the whole crowd and I could see my mom up there crying. And I just remember thinking like I finally freaking did it. Finally did it. This Where time. were you? When you when it was in Columbus that year. It was regionals and it was in Columbus. So I was home. And what's funny is two days later, I got like extremely, extremely sick. I had probably just like super stressed myself out, but I was supposed to go back and watch other people compete two days later. And I like could not go. I was so sick. I couldn't get out of bed two days later, but I like put my heart and soul that day. I, oh, it was such a good day. Now, if you make it to Worlds, do you get like any kind of like honorary titles or anything in your hometown or you know like i got to sit in the back of a convertible in our saint patrick's day parade with the that said, <laughs> emma belcher world qualifier no. <laughs> but no because no like who cares outside of irish dancing it's you just do it purely for yourself for the title amongst your peers of irish dancers like hey I'm a world qualifier. I went to worlds. I had like a jacket with all my, we called them majors. If it's like regionals, nationals, internationals, um, all my major competitions that I'd been to. And I remember getting worlds embroidered on there and being like, yeah, people are going to know I went to worlds. I did it. You get to wear like a sash or something. Oh yeah. You get sashes a lot in Irish dance. I had many sashes. If you place like first, second or third in a like local competition, even in championship level, you usually get like a nice sash. I wore a sash around Niagara Falls when I qualified for Ireland to go to Ireland the first time I wore my sash that whole day. Oh, walking around the falls. Do people recognize you? Like, uh... no, people were probably like, what (laughs) is this girl doing in her sash? Who is this strange child? But I was really proud. I was excited. Where would people go? I mean, if like people listening to this podcast and they hear you talking about this, you know, crazy world of Irish dancing, where would they go to like look at Irish dancing outside of the movie River Dance, which we all know? I mean, YouTube for sure has like schools competing. The thing is, I mean, and this is last I checked, I didn't check this today, but you're not allowed to like video record competitions. Cause there's like, you could steal other people's steps and you're, you just can't video record competitions. So you can't really watch people in competition. You could go to YouTube and look up Irish dance parade of champions, which would be like at the end of a big competition, they have all the winners come out and do like one step and that gets recorded. So if you wanted to see some like really good world championship level Irish dancers, chop on YouTube and look at that. But otherwise, like look for your town's local Irish festivals and almost guaranteed there will be a little Irish dance school putting on, a little dance for you. 
What's the coolest thing you ever did through the world of Irish dancing? Coolest thing I ever did. We got to do some really awesome performances. I'm trying to think of the biggest one. This is a stupid one, but you know the Magic Treehouse books? Have you ever heard of those? Yeah, I don't know. These are like some children's books. There's a million of them, but they came out with a musical. It was like a touring musical. And when it came to town, they needed Irish dancers for it. And they hired my school. And I got to perform at the Palace Theater in Columbus, which was like kind of a big deal. Um, and like a Broadway musical as an Irish dancer, fairy lady, which was cool. Yeah. Um, and then going to Ireland, obviously, it was awesome. I remember the last time in Ireland, we were in a pub and there was a live band playing. And my dad was like, you should probably get up and dance since like this is your last competition. And I got to dance around an Irish bar in Ireland for a bunch of strangers. That was really cool. Oh, yeah. How old were you? I was 17. So it was a little weird, but it was fun. <laughs> 17 dancing around in a pub in an Irish pub in Ireland. Yeah, but they love it there. It's part of their culture. If you know how to Irish dance and there's Irish music. You should get up and Wait, dance. Now, like, I'm wondering now if you're in Ireland and you're in an Irish pub, are you going to just see some random people breaking out in Irish dance? Probably. Honestly. Yeah, maybe. There's different levels, too. Like, old traditional Irish dancing is not what it was today. It was a lot more, like, improvised and just, like, going with the rhythm of the music. Now it's structured and you have memorized steps and different skills you have to perform. Before we close, uh, what would you want anybody to know about yourself, your life, your world of Irish dancing? I just hope more people get into it, honestly, and it becomes kind of a bigger, more well-known thing and keeps growing because the athleticism improves every year. And it's really cool to see what people are able to do now. And like people are putting it with popular music and it's it is growing. I just hope it keeps growing. You live in the South now. Do you think it's big here? I've never really heard of it here. No, that's what I was mentioning earlier. Like, it depends on where you're at regionally. It's, I think it's probably bigger where Irish immigrants came in. So, like, Midwest, the Northeast, especially, like, there's a ton. And then, like, the Southeast and farther out West you get, I think it gets a little bit less. Um, Have you ever personally, like, considered getting involved in a school or anything like that? No, I actually realized pretty young I didn't want it to be my whole life I had a teacher tell me not to make it my whole life I knew like I wanted it to be like my passion and my thing growing up and something I always like really loved but I didn't want it to become my everyday because I saw how it sucked the joy the joy got sucked out of it for people it's a stressful world I guess what you're trying to say is when you're in it in a, in a competitive way it kind of takes the fun out of it yeah after a while because like there are, like you said, like kind of like gritty sides where like if you're at a certain school, you're probably going to place better than if you're at a different school. And seeing those aspects got hard. Do you, would you say, what would you say to any young ladies right now who are just starting out their path in Irish dancing? I mean, like I said earlier, just like make sure you really, really love it and you really want to do it for you and that you're also like mentally ready to be knocked down sometimes because it's all objective a judge might not just like you that day and you might score really bad even if you deserve better or you did your best um you just have to be ready to like be told your crap and keep going basically because <laughs> sometimes that's gonna happen yeah i think that's true in any competitive uh yeah. nature thing right yeah you just have to be ready to like there's gonna be good days and there's gonna be right roll with the punches and keep going and be able to keep going with a good attitude yeah, right on. Well, uh, Emma, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and talk to me about 
the Irish dancing world is really interesting. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And I love you. Thank you all again for joining me on another episode of Subculture. It's great to have you all listening to the show. Uh, Every week, I'm going to try to put on a different person from a different subculture. We're going to explore uh, all different types of things. Uh, So more to come. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at Harper underscore underscore Chris or at ChrisHarper.eth on Instagram. And uh, I will see you all again out here next week. Thanks, Emma, again for talking to us about Irish Chance. I'll see you all again soon.